Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You know, on Modern Mom Probs, we're trying to solve the world's modern mom problems, but hey, you know what? If we can't solve them, at least we're having fun talking about them. Today's topic is how to support your child's passions with Audrey Wish. Audrey, a driven Stanford University student, paused her studies to found Curious Cardinals, a platform dedicated dedicated to empowering K-12 students while providing meaningful opportunities for college peers. Audrey's vision and dedication has earned her recognition in Forbes 30 Under 30 Education and Youngest category. Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited. Right before I hit record, I was saying that I think you're the youngest guest that I've had on the show so far. I love that. I am often the youngest in the room in various capacities and different types of rooms. So I'm all here for it. I love it. I love it. And and I was also mentioning that at some point I want to have my son on as a guest too, but I just haven't sort of worked that out. So maybe that's for next season, for season I'll three. For I'll start. that honor. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So let, let's get into it. You were a student at Stanford and then you paused your studies to found Curious Cardinals. So tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. So I was a history major at Stanford. I thought I was pre-law with my 10-year life plan set. I wanted to be the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I was teaching English to members of the janitorial staff. That was one of my favorite parts of the week. And then my freshman year, Stanford sent us home due to the pandemic. So that was in March. I couldn't continue with my extracurriculars. That, And so I was like, I should start tutoring kids. I missed that teaching. That was the highlight of my week. It felt so purposeful. And I joined out of a passion for immigration. But then I got really into the pedagogical aspect of what I was doing. And so started tutoring kids and tutoring a seventh grader and a ninth grader, working with them, observed how disengaged and uninspired they were with what they were learning in school and how they were absorbing and regurgitating what they were reading in a textbook, but they didn't know why they were learning what they were learning. So that inspired me to apply what they were learning in school to my own passions, to the world around them, to their interests, in hopes of making their learning feel like it actually mattered. Then one of them asked for math help, and I was not as passionate about math, so... (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, not for me. I'm not going to spark your passion there. But Alec, my friend from Stanford, who is an aerospace engineer, would. He was loved math. So as an aerospace engineer, he started applying what they were learning in math to how airplanes fly. And then fast forward, the parents told all their friends. And I'm a natural super connector. So when they came with different topics or different kids, their son who likes soccer, oh my gosh, my friend's on the Stanford soccer team and so on and so forth. I started making these personalized matches. 
And before I knew it, Curious Cardinals was born. That's how it got started. And now it's three and a half years later and it's my full-time job. We have a team of 15 people. We raised 6.8 million in funding to scale our growth. And we have over 500 college mentors. That's incredible, Audrey. That is incredible. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you. It's been like such a crazy learning journey, but so meaningful and so inspired by that insight we had firsthand and our proximity to the students ourselves and realizing that how uniquely suited we were to solve their problems and help spark their flame of inspiration and also be a little bit of an intermediary with their parents. Yeah. I sort of see it as like academic matchmaking. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Right. You know, I wanted to bring you on today to, to talk about all of this because as parents, sometimes there is a generational divide between our skill set and knowledge and what our children are interested in. I'll give you an example, right? Like my son and many of his friends want to be YouTubers when they grow up. So for the vast majority of parents, they don't know how to spark the interest or get, get the kids the skills to be able to do that, right? Does that make sense? And so obviously Curious Cardinals like helps bridge that gap. So it's like, how can parents who are, and I'm using this in quotes, a little out of touch, right? Help their kids want to like foster those passions. Totally. I mean, I'll give you a story. So we see it all the time. This is a story that is epitomizes so many other examples and what parents are feeling and observing. A mom came in, let's call her Stacy, and she was like, anything to get my sixth grade daughter off of TikTok. <laughs> we were like, okay, bring your daughter on. Let's talk to her too. And we asked her what she's interested in. And she's she's in her middle school, in her rebellion years. Like, I, I'm not interested in anything. We're like, okay, what do you like to do in your free time when no one's telling you what to do? And she said, go on TikTok. And her mom, like, rolled her eyes. And we were like, what do you like to watch on TikTok? And that was the keyhole to identify interest. She said, we found out she loved frog videos and she liked stop motion photography. And we said, what if you could learn how to make your own stop motion photography and your own frog art? And she was like, that'd be kind of cool. And then a month later, her mom emailed us and says she's now calling herself a creative director. And you guys, Ah! I know she was like, I love that. And you guys took this thing that I was like, stop. And of course, when your parent says don't do something, it makes you want to do it more. And we found the validity within it. We found that she's not just mindlessly scrolling on her phone. There's actually art she likes and she's inspired to create that art on her own. And so I would say, how do you actually practice that? Apart from signing up for a Curious Cardinals consultation call is leading with curiosity Instead of that initial reaction of like, don't do that, or that's bad, or that's so unproductive, ask why it interests them or what they're looking at. And even something like the amount of young girls who love cosmetics, we're like, what if you could learn cosmetic chemistry? What if you could do an analysis of the cosmetics marketing industry? These things are actually the seeds of legitimate interest and even potential career paths. And so- I think the the leading with curiosity aspect is key and helping them 
and you as a parent don't have to do everything alone. So outsource, delegate, identify others who can help connect the dots in a way that you yourself might be struggling to. Yeah, that's such good advice because I think many times parents in my position tend to just sort of put a wall up and say like, oh, well, being a YouTuber is stupid or being a TikToker is stupid. Like it's not a real job. And part of that comes from not knowing what it actually takes to get to that point to do it full-time professionally. I mean, it's it's like entrepreneurial skills, putting yourself out there, marketing, the resilience, the discipline and commitment to ship content every day. And I almost feel like digital, I don't know if it's on who the onus falls on, but at Curious Cardinals, we hope to shed light upon the skill sets, these different diverse, unique professional pathways require. And also acknowledge the fact that this year's kindergarten class is going to enter a workforce with jobs we all could not even imagine would exist. And a little bit of that embracing how much technology and innovation is driving society forward and kind of what are the common denominator skills that are going to help kids thrive no matter all the variables in our society. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, and my husband and I talk about this a lot, is like upskilling, right? Like that the kids constantly have to learn new things. They have to pivot. And I think flexibility is probably one of the biggest skills that this generation needs to learn moving forward. Yeah, I think so as well, especially there's so much fear now, like AI is going to take all the jobs. Yeah, everyone's all like freaked out about that. But it's like if you could learn to work with AI – in a healthy way, then that can, you know, be your whole career right there. A hundred percent. Last year, one of our advisors called me and was like, Audrey, you want to change the future of K through 12 education? You got to get on the AI bandwagon. And I, I was a history major. I was tech scared. That's why I have a great tech forward co-founder. But I was like, okay, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to try to play around with this 15 minutes every day. A month later, It's now a year later, I use it every working hour of my day. And it's totally transformed my productivity, my output, and my optimism for the future of K-12 education. And so I say that because I am not a tech person. So I think that's another thing that we've been, I'm excited if you can come, we've been doing these workshops on how to use AI, how to embrace AI, but that's kind of the the discomfort we want to help our community and kids and parents face and confront head on and acknowledge all that they're capable of with a little bit of practice and a little bit of getting through that discomfort. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really well said because like I said before about the generational divide is like, you know, my mother would be totally scared of AI that the robots are going to come for us. I have a good understanding about it, but then not even like, then my son has an even better understanding and full embrace of how to use AI to make life easier. Right. So I, hopefully it just keeps like streamlining across the, across the way. So many opportunities. Yeah, no, it really is. What are some ways that parents can sort of, and I'm using this in quotes, get out of their own way in helping their children support their passions, support their interests. You know, a lot of times there's like sort of helicopter parents that are pushing kids into like, you should really study this or focus this, and this is what you should be doing. But many times it's not always what the kids want to be doing. Right. And so like, how can we sort of like take a step back? 
Yes. I would say one of the best pieces of feedback we receive is when a parent calls us and is like, oh my gosh, this is the one thing I'm not managing. Like I don't have to text the mentor. I don't have to email them. Like my kid is finally owning something independently and they love it. They're relieved. They're like, awesome. Like keep at it. And their kid loves it because it feels like their own thing. So as much as you can figure out what that logistically looks like, let it be their own thing and let your child manage scheduling on the relationship, like whatever it entails to be their own thing. It's, It's so empowering. And I think that another thing is, again, leading with curiosity, resisting the urge to project Like you see your kid doing something or they're passionate about being a YouTuber, being a professional soccer player, and they're doing something that you think is going to hold them back in some way, instead of leading with the don't do this or do that, which especially if you have a a preteen or a teen, they're probably not going to respond well to that. Why not lead with curiosity? Why not ask a question? Hey, how come you, not in an accusatory tone, but hey, tell me you're thinking about XYZ thing you're doing or how is this making you feel and let them guide you there and maybe even through questions help them tell you oh actually maybe that wasn't or this isn't going to best support me to accomplish my goals rather than projecting what they should and shouldn't do which makes it feel like again it's not their own thing and you're getting in the way of it. I've been trying to work on mindfulness with my son by introducing him to meditation techniques. And in doing this, I realized, you know, Tara, you could really benefit from meditation too. What else is a better way to start good habits than by modeling them, right? So I started listening to the Women's Meditation Network. It has all different types of podcasts from anxiety meditation to sleep to morning meditation. Personally, I really enjoy the daily affirmations because they're just about 10 minutes long, which is just right for me and my schedule. Whether you're an experienced meditator or you're just getting started, check out Women's Meditation Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, I I think that's really helpful, especially for parents of older children, because we tend to, like you said, like project it onto them. It's like, this is what you should be doing, or this is what you shouldn't be doing. And asking the right questions can not only help, I guess, like foster their interest, but it really fosters your relationship and the connection altogether, especially at a time where you really need to maintain that relationship. When kids start to be, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, obviously they're going off and hanging out with their friends more. They're doing their own thing. There's a lot more independence. But at that point, kids still need their parents. Like they still need that connection. So if we could show them respect by asking the right questions, that fosters our connection at an age where the kids really need it. And many times it's sort of like forgotten. Totally. I think another thing, again, a little bit of my unique perspective is I still have a parent and was recently in college and high school. And one thing that I'm so grateful my mom did starting in high school, she loves art. I grew up in New York City and she grew up in Winnipeg, Canada and was like, we're really lucky to grow up in New York City. So Sundays in high school, she started Culture Sundays. She said, every Sunday, we're going to go to a museum or a gallery or something cultural. And I remember in ninth grade being like, mom, I don't have time. I don't want to do this. But she was like, come on, it's going to be our thing. And she shared her passion with me. 
like she lit up when we went in that gallery or that museum and she was so excited to share this world with me. And by 10th grade, I'd be like, where are we going on Sunday? And literally by senior year, all my friends came. We thought it was like the coolest Instagram opportunity, the photos we'd get in the art gallery taken by my mom. (laughs) And so art's not on my resume. It's not something that someone might know I'm passionate about. It is something that now I have this comprehensive knowledge thanks to my mom. But I think just seeing her passion and having us share something that didn't feel like you're doing this for Friday's test or for college, like we're just doing this because it's fun to be intellectually curious and to explore and take advantage of growing up in an amazing city. I'm so grateful for that experience. And I think that's another way inherently to just help your kids spark a flame of interest. And and that's a beautiful family memory. Like obviously now here you're you're sharing this story years later and I'm sure you're going to remember it maybe you know when you're much older too and look so fondly on that time. Totally. All my friends know about Culture Sundays. If we go on trips I'm like I'm finding the museums in town and I'm so grateful that in light of kind of all the stress and chaos that can be especially high school that we had that precious time. Yeah. I love that. See, that's the kind of connection that I feel like, you know, is often lost, especially during the tween and teen years. A hundred percent. You know, it's it's so easy to sort of write it off and be like, well, the kids are doing their own thing now, unless you make a really conscious effort like your mom did on Sundays to make that conscious effort to, to do something altogether. And again, I won't deny it. I remember in ninth grade being a little bit of a pain and <laughs> I don't want to do this. And I'm glad that not in a forceful way, but in a like, yeah. please, this, this means something to me. And I want to spend this time with you that I finally was like, okay, fine. And then didn't even want to admit how much I enjoyed it and look forward to it. I love that. I want to start doing something like that with my son. I'm going to have to sort of like think Highly through, recommend. Think through it. We, we do a lot of family things together. So I can't say that we're not spending a lot of time together because we do spend a lot of time together. But I really like the, the Sunday night culture yeah. idea. That's, well, you'll that's have a, to tell me what you think of. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm going to report back on that one. He and I, Jack and I often will play like video games together. That's our way to connect because he is a, a big gamer, right? So like he'll say, oh, mom, that's I'm so playing cool. this new game. You have to like download it or we have to do it together. So he and I will often play together. I, I often say it's like parallel play, like how little kids do parallel play, but like he'll sit, we'll sit next to each other and we'll be playing these games and stuff. Well, so. also like, can we acknowledge the fact that your son wanted to learn how to be a creator when you're his mom? Yeah. So I thought that was such an amazing testament to the fact that he so admires and looks up to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That That is true. And so I am very fortunate to be able to have the skills to teach him certain things, right? Whereas other parents might not be able to teach them how to be a content creator and all of that kind of stuff. But yes, that is in fact what he wants to do. He wants to be the next, not even Mr. Beast. He, he likes gaming videos, which is what Mr. Beast started out as and now he does different things. But yes, my son's big into gaming videos. So, but that's one thing that I don't have skills on, right? So that goes back into we need to, you know, find the right mentor, which we have luckily to, to match the skills up with his interests. And so, you know, speaking of, of mentorship, how important 
is mentorship for these tweens and teens to have someone that's like relatively their age, right? Having, let's say, a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old versus like a 40-year-old telling them what to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with research has shown that near-peer mentorship can have a number of benefits for tweens and teens, including academic performance, increased self-esteem, reduce risk of risky behaviors, enhance social skills, a greater sense of belonging. So putting research aside, this is such a unique generation. We grew up, our, the college mentors at Curious Cardinals or just near-peer mentorship in general, we grew up on social media. We had our education halted by the pandemic. We get it. We speak the same language and we've had very similar experiences. It's not easy to grow up on social media or to have your education halted by the pandemic. And I'm sure you can hear in your head when a parent says, you don't, or a kid says to a parent, you don't get it. And this is a generation that's so close in age that that they do, but they have kind of the gift of hindsight to say, I wish I knew this when I was a 10th grader. And so I'm going to share it with you because it could have helped me feel a lot less anxiety when it came to math tests or a lot more confidence when it came to putting myself out there. And so it's so enormously transformative, not just for the students, but for the mentors too. It's almost cathartic for the mentors to be able to say, I really wish someone had told me this in seventh grade and I get to give that gift back to this student. And at Curious Cardinals, mentorship isn't just about near peer mentorship, learning from a college student who's not too much older in age than yourself. It's also representation matters. You are what you can see. So we often make matches based on gender, race, identity, a passion for sports or dance, like really whatever it is, even a learning difference you might have. If you're dyslexic, being able to work with a mentor who's also dyslexic. It's so empowering to know that you're not alone in those aspects of your identity, your personality. I brought up math because I lacked so much confidence in math when I was in high school. I was one of the few girls in my honors math class and probably prematurely did myself a humanities gal. And I can't imagine how transformative it would have been for me not to have a 60-year-old male math tutor, rather a female engineer mentor who also was a Swifty and (laughs) talking to me about the Taylor Swift concert. And we had all these things in common, but she was like crushing it in the STEM classrooms and was like, Audrey, you totally belong in this space because it wasn't about competence. It totally was about my confidence. And I still remember that light bulb moment when I was working with my first student and I showed her my research paper that was published in the Stanford Historical Journal. It was like a 30 page paper and she was reading it and was like, oh my God, how did you do this? And I looked at her and I was like, you're so much further ahead of where I was when I was your age. Imagine where you're going to be when you're my age. And she was an eighth grader and I was a freshman in college. And I saw her like literally jaw drop. And it was the most amazing moment because I was so authentic in what I was saying. I really meant it. I was teaching her things that I didn't know till senior year, freshman year of college. And she was crushing it because I believed in her and we had that connection. And so for her to hear that I meant that and to know like that those steps ahead, even I, and as a young person, you think like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming to think about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. How am I going to get that path? So many years, so many years to bridge. But when you're only four, six, eight years, it feels a lot more attainable. What do you look for in a good mentor? What should parents look for in a good mentor? 
absolutely. I mean, it's not easy to find. We're super selective with who we bring on board and have a very rigorous vetting process. But we look for a few things. One is that passion and that excitement, that passion that radiates through a Zoom screen. And I can think of so many. I I used to do all the interviews. And one of the things that it changed for me was it made me so excited about disciplines that I previously had no interest in. And I was like, okay, this is the bar. You got to find someone who can get Audrey excited about quantum mechanics. And so, and sometimes even not realizing how passionate someone can be. There's this mentor named Jayla who majored in civil engineering at Princeton. She's obsessed with bridges. She's like, I love bridges. I love the design. I love the engineering. And I was like, oh my God, can I learn about bridges from you? So I think that just that insatiable curiosity and vibrant passion is so important because that's what it's about, like kindling that flame in a student and getting them excited and making learning feel fun and cool. Or if it's not learning future pathways and kind of like being their best self, making that cool. I think another key thing is the compassion in the EQ. In great mentorship, it's not just about doing well on Friday's test. It's also about being the best version of yourself and having a space where you can be vulnerable and share what you're going through. And you want to make sure that the mentor on the other side knows how to embrace that and support that. And so the compassion and EQ is is key, is critical. And then I would say we always tell our mentors, parents come to us at Curious Cardinals because you are who they want their kids to look up to. And with that comes enormous responsibility that someone is choosing you, not the local tutor or the other enrichment coding opportunity because you are who they want their kid to look up to. And you are the sum of who you surround yourself with. And we want these mentors to be exemplary leaders. We say being a great mentor is being a great leader, which means taking initiative, helping your students say, what are we going to accomplish today? What's our goal for the session? Helping actually solicit feedback, teaching a student what it means to give feedback and say, you know, I actually didn't like that we went this direction. Can we go a different course next session? And that that really comes from great leadership skills. So those are some of the few things. And I think just the commitment to bettering the student and whatever, every kid is different. Every Curious Cardinals mentor or mentor in the world is different. But what does that mean? And that that means identifying kind of what a student is looking for and what success looks like for them and being able to make a match accordingly. So whether it's through Curious Cardinals or externally, I think like finding those nodes of connection that are going to make for a meaningful match. So it feels the antithesis of random. It feels like very intentional aspects of like who your child is are, are represented in this person they get to learn and be mentored by. Yeah, I'm sure that the students really look up to their mentors as like, this is my like college friend who will sit and listen to me and talk to me for an hour every week. And like, I'm sure they feel very cool because I know if I would have been in that position, I would have felt very cool. Totally. There's so many funny mentor mentee stories. And a lot of the time they feel like best friends. And I love hearing stories like we knew it was working in the pandemic when we started when the first mom like called me and was like, Audrey, Jane is canceling her playdates to have sessions with you. What are you guys doing together? <laughs> and I was like, I'm literally teaching her college level history. Like, I'm so glad she's canceling her Zoom playdates. But I think like that level of excitement for the person they're learning from and that much, again, like 
ownership of it. Like she's canceling her own play dates. Mom's not getting involved anymore. And we even have students who, who've shared at the beginning, they were almost intimidated by the mentor. They read their bio, summa cum laude, studying blah, blah, blah at Harvard. And they were like, I'm kind of nervous. And then six months later, they're bonding over video games and the new Minions movie that's coming out. And they're like, oh my God, this person that felt like out of my league, not only is totally in my league, but we're friends. Like we text. And I think that's another cool thing is like humanizing success, which sometimes feels so in this black box and unattainable and making it feel like for a kid, this person that they and their parents and whoever deems as totally successful is just like them. And that could be them too. So I think that part is super empowering. That's so empowering because as you mentioned, right, like thinking like, oh, this this guy goes to Harvard and, and she goes to Stanford and all of those things. You're thinking like, how could my 10-year-old child go from there to where you're sitting? And it's like, yeah, that's how mentorship can work. Totally. And just the aspirational element of it because that's, again, like the compassion and EQ. We pick these really amazing mentors, but they want to be authentic. They don't want to have that. Again, this is a social media generation. We're tired of feeling like everything is perfect on the outside and no one's talking about their struggles or how many obstacles it's taken for them to overcome to get where they are today. And so these mentors drop the veil, drop the guard and are like, actually, like I was so anxious before my math test too. And like, you're not alone and it's okay. And like, I'm going to help you get through that this is totally human and normal. I'm sure so many of your peers are feeling this too. And like, this is how we're going to work through it together. So I just think the humanizing, making it feel accessible and making it relatable and mom or dad could say it and that's great. But again, so often when you're growing up and finding your sense of self, what mom or dad says might go in one ear and out the next. But when you hear it from this person who was in your shoes not too long ago, it really goes a long way. Yeah. Gen Z is doing some big things. We're trying. We're, you we're trying. You are. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Audrey, tell everyone where we could learn more about Curious Cardinals and where we could find you online. CuriousCardinals.com. Curious Cardinals, like the bird. Come to our Instagram, also at Curious Cardinals. Come to us on LinkedIn. And I'm Audrey Wish. You can also, I post a lot and share a lot of our newsletters and blog posts on LinkedIn and Instagram. So join our community, engage with us, and learn more about Curious Cardinals. I love it. How did you select the Cardinal? Why the Cardinal? Okay, so Stanford is Cardinal Red, not the bird. Stanford's mascot are the trees. But my co-founder and I, when we were thinking of a name, his name is Alec. And we were like, okay, we can't do like A square, double A, like that's so pretentious. That's not what we're going for here. But we wanted to invoke that curiosity that can so often be dwindled. And I think for us, like, again, he was an aerospace engineer. I was a history major. And had we not been curious, we never would have found ourselves in this position, building curious cardinals together. And then we liked the idea of making cardinals the bird, because I like to say, like, you've had your ideas in the nest, and then you get the confidence and independence to fly in the sky. And kids so often have tunnel vision. And like a bird, we want to give them that 360 degree view of the horizon and the limitless possibilities that are out there for them. Beautifully said, Audrey. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.